Talmor is my home. My family have worked the land for generations. My gran says the island does not belong to us, but we belong to the island. And we must be ready, for a great evil is coming. And death follows with it. Listen and subscribe to the latest season of Undertow, The Harrowing, a Storyglass production presented by Realm, available wherever you get your podcasts. That was a terrible burp. Yeah, um, I didn't even know. I just sounded like a little like, eh. It was like the burp of a baby bird. All right, you don't have to be mean. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my vagina. This is Jesse Karen. I'm Rebecca Frank. And here we are again, having our current, historical, hysterical, infuriating conversation about our lives as vagina-having organisms. All content made up on the spot, but probably researched. Ha, just kidding. It's definitely researched. Listen, guys, real quick, we got a review for you this week. And honestly, they're not paying us to say this. No, not an ad. But it has been tested and approved by yours truly, Jesse Karen. Yes. I've been a woman for a, a few decades now. I've tried a lot of things. I've, I didn't use pads for very long because I don't like, eh, it's like a diaper. Yeah. Um, use tampons. Love the Diva Cup. Still a huge fan of the Diva Cup. That being said... And I also want to preface this. I'm all about period sex. We'll have mm-hmm. that conversation at a different time. Yeah, for sure. So any man who denies you because of that is just not worth your you're, time. You're losing points for me, baby. Yeah, for real. I've said this before and I'll say it again. There's nothing sexier than a man who's like, yo, girl, throw the towel down. Yeah, <laughs> I do understand <laughs> not wanting to get your sheets all fucked up, but like put down a towel. Put down a towel. And it's fine. T- totally. I mean, I get it. Like, honestly, day one, don't. Don't yeah, touch me. I, that's how I feel. But um, I don't even want to touch myself. Why is my skin touching my skin? Right. Everything burns. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Satan. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. It's true. <laughs> anyway, a friend of mine brought me or I was telling her how I wanted to go uh, hang out with this guy. And, you know, it's casual. So, right. I didn't want to be like, cool. Second, third day of my period. Let's like ruin your goddamn sheets. Right. Um, and I don't know where he stood on that. Um, and you kind of didn't want to know because you wanted to have fun. Yeah, I just didn't you even want to have to think about it. And yeah, I was like, totally. man, this fucking sucks. Like, I have my period. I just don't, I don't want to have to think about, like, cool, are we going to put a towel down or, like, your sheet's mm-hmm. going to be messy? Or are you going to be, like, a, a jerk about this? And yeah, shithead who's like, no, this isn't happening. My friend was like, oh, just get the soft cup. And I was like, what are, what are you talking? What? Yeah, what, what's what a soft you- cup? What the fuck is that? Yeah. Well, be prepared to have your minds fucking blown. Blown, guys. Soft blown. cup. Is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. Because it, you can have sex on it. Okay, here's my question. Sorry, I don't you can think- have sex on it. <laughs> on the cup. You put the cup down on the bed and you <laughs> and then you, you line up a bunch of cups and then you have sex on it. <laughs> and it's the best sex of your life. It'll blow your fucking mind. Those are the instructions. Yeah. On the box. It's what it says. It costs a penny to do it that way, but you know. <laughs> uh, what, you, what was your question? Oh, my question is, because I know that like when I've been using a diva cup or whatever and I use it in the couple of days, like if I I spot leading up to my period. And so I don't want to ruin all of my underwear, just some of them. Yeah. So um, <laughs> but like you can still kind of, you know, you can still like mess around or whatever. So you have it in there. And then I just find that like you I can't get wet if it's there. Mm-hmm. And then I end up almost like one time I didn't take it out early enough. Mm-hmm. And then it was just like I, 
I like chafed myself. Yeah. From just like, you know, it was very uncomfortable. Are you able to get wet with it in there? Or did you have did um, you have to like use lube and stuff like that? I I mean, honestly, well, we were using condoms, which right, always right. kind of like doesn't help either. It sounds weird, but I think I was like super dehydrated. So I was like having a lot of trouble getting wet and I yeah. haven't had that much trouble in a while. So I don't know if it was the soft cup or a combination of all of the things, okay. but according to the soft cup box, and I've only tried it once, right. according to the soft cup box, it's not supposed to dry you out the way okay. that Diva Cup does. Yeah, because Diva Cup dries me. That's like a desert in yeah. there. Yeah, it's not supposed to. This time, I think there were variables involved. Right, and okay. of course, like, as a woman getting a little bit older, I still have, like, shame when it comes to, like, being dry. So there was, like, a little bit of that, and I think I got in my head, so then it, like... Made it worse. Made it even worse. Yeah. Um, especially with somebody that you're like not really necessarily with, because if you're with them, it's like cool. Like sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, and everyone and then, knows. Like, like law of averages, everyone knows. Yeah, you know? and then like, but when you're with like somebody casual, you're like, oh no, like yeah, fuck. and and not that you should be ashamed of that. It's just it's ingrained in us. Yeah, totally. But how does the diva cup dry you out? Hi, that's Lucy. Oh yeah, that's my sister Lucy. <laughs> so it's gonna be a fun game for you to try and figure out which one of us it is. It's a Frank takeover. Yeah, it's Frank, <laughs> Frank's takeover. Welcome to my vagina podcast. We'll be interviewing her in a few moments. Yeah. But what was your question? I was just, how does a diva cup dry you out? Oh, I mean, I think, and I I don't know actually, but this is gonna be something I guess we'll put in the episode notes if yeah. I can figure it out. Um, but I think it has to do with like the way that you put a diva cup in, so you fold it in half and you insert it and you you twist it when you yeah. put it in and then it suctions on and i think the suctioning to the because cervix. like yeah you suction it onto your cervix basically so like nothing gets through so i know that not to i mean i was about to say not to overshare but this is welcome to my vagina podcast so I'm talking about having sex yeah. in a soft cup so so sometimes during my period <laughs> yeah so like if if i use it when i'm spotting before my period and i don't you know i don't like to use tampons if i don't have to um whatever Sometimes I'll pull it out and like there will be a little bit of like blood in there, but mostly it's just like vaginal fluid that hmm. doesn't get mucus. Yeah, mucus that, that doesn't get let out. So it's just like all kind of like trapped up there and it's yeah. living in the cup useless. Right. You know, and if anybody just... has like the scientific answer for that, yeah. please send let us a message. Because I am curious about that too. But yeah, I think it blocks some of the like normal discharge and yeah. mucus, which I'm surprised Soft Cup says that too because I feel like that's probably the same thing because if anything, that hugs your cervix even more. Okay. Um, and it goes all the way up in there and it's like a little baggy. So I think yeah. it catches fucking everything. Yeah. Listen, I'm not a doctor, but. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey Soft Cup, can you let us know? Yeah. It's, it's a lot messier on the outro. Right. On the exit. I meant <laughs> on to the say. outro. <laughs> Speaking in podcast lingo. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a lot messier. I would probably still use the Diva Cup, but the Soft Cup is a genius sheet saving yeah uh, fun saving option so should I, should I tell the other person? yeah fuck yeah tell that story okay it's so good <laughs> same dude mm -hmm. in the morning uh you know we were uh we we're having sex again and at one point he like flipped me over and I think and like I was doggy style and I think he was gonna go down on me from that angle but whatever happened there was just this awkward both of us moved in this same direction but basically i went backwards and he went forward and before i knew it his <laughs> nose just slipped right in there and i like and it was such an awkward like hilarious moment that i kind of laughed but we were also still in like the heat of the moment so i was like oh my god i'm so sorry, <laughs> I'm so sorry. your nose is in my asshole <laughs> <laughs>
Well, no, wait. I had a reason to say sorry. Yeah, but I mean, it wasn't your fault, though. No, it was just so funny. So we briefly introduced Lucy Frank. Yes, for all of you guys who didn't make that connection, it is Rebecca's sister, the younger of the the youngest of the three Franks. (laughs) (laughs) Today we are going to talk about pronouns and the proper use of pronouns. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My name's Lucy. I'm I'm living in North Carolina right now, uh, going to nursing school. Um, and about to graduate in May. I'm going to be working in the emergency department. So most of the experiences that I'm going to talk about right now apply to the the emergency department. Okay. Um, and today we're going to talk about uh, gender pronouns and just the LGBTQ community and trying to make a safe environment within the hospital. Right. Um, so I just thought it was funny that we actually started out the podcast by, by saying you guys, um, mm-hmm. which I think is a really good illustration of how, even though our language isn't supposed to be gendered, it is very gendered. Mm-hmm. And I think that you sort of start to pick up on things that other people say and you just say it and you don't really think. Um, right, and I think, we don't think it means anything. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, it feels really colloquial. Right. And exactly. instead it, it ends up carrying with it a lot of weight and it can, um, definitely isolate I think members of the community Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I think it's really important especially in the medical community because we're supposed to sort of be creating a safe environment for every everybody Mm -hmm. um and Mm -hmm. I think that it's just really important especially within the medical community to focus on language and make everything safe and comfortable Mm -hmm. yeah yeah you guys has been a bad habit for me especially because I am aware of it and I know that it's a microaggression so I have been trying to slowly like get it rid of it and not use it anymore and as I was telling you guys earlier it it is yeah and you just did it did I just oh my god I just did it I'm the worst (laughs) it's it's the one thing it's so a part of my yeah vocabulary and my phrasing and especially as a bartender I just Mm -hmm. use it all the fucking time yeah uh it's just easier to just walk up to anybody and be like hey what's up guys but I was talking to our friend Kevin about this and just like about as a bartender how we how we greet people and how we address people and Mm. you know things like that and specifically thinking about trying to be um a lot more sensitive to the LGBTQ community community and Mm. not using you guys when like for us you know it might because it's become so like colloquially used like you were saying Lucy that we're not really as yeah as offended we're not offended by it but like maybe somebody who's transitioning yeah maybe it makes people feel really unsafe so we were talking about that and we were also talking about how interesting it would be as an exercise for ourselves and also for people around us to just introduce to like say hi to everyone like hey gals Mm. and just and just to flip it on its head for a second right. because mm. it would be really interesting to see because if a, if someone comes up to, to me and says jarring specifically when i go up to like my male friends mm-hmm. or just new yeah. dudes that i meet i go hey girl hey i like the fact that it's like flipping it on his head right yeah right you because... should tape it and see what people's responses are yeah because yeah. um, no, i feel really like funny. some some people might get irritated oh which yeah. Would be yeah really really interesting oh it'll definitely offend some people and thinking about the fact that as as cisgendered women we mm-hmm. just accept that as we don't think of it in in any sort of gendering way using mm-hmm. the terminology well, it's hey so guys normalized it's now so too. normalized yeah. and so 
And so saying, hey, girls, is the exact same thing as saying, hey, guys, Mm -hmm. but it is noticeable because it's different. One of the most important things or one of the things that we've learned that's very, very important is that just because somebody looks one way and you assume that they're one gender to not make that assumption Mm -hmm. um, and ask them because gender expression is different from how you identify. So one of the things that we were talking about in the ride over here was uh, was I mean, I, I was thinking about thinking about the medical community and when I think about doctors and when, and people who work in that and the whole this oath part of the Hippocratic oath I think is is do no harm yeah absolutely yeah and so um yeah so could you talk just a little bit about I don't know you know you go to the hospital and it's like the worst day of your life yeah 100 percent. a lot of times um yeah so I think something that's really important um for everybody in the medical community to consider is that you you are walking into a space in which and somebody is having the worst day of their life, as you said, or is not in the best place. Um, And I think that it's our job as providers to create a safe space for them and to try our best to, like Rebecca said, do no harm. That would be in our code of ethics and um, to improve their day however we can. It's difficult to do that across the board, but it's especially a problem in the LGBTQ community. Um, And this is because, because people have these biases that are implicit and because it's kind of societally normal to have these biases especially against like trans the transgender population it's it ends up becoming more more of an issue basically um if someone's in the room you basically start by defining them and you start by telling them what their gender is so you walk into the room and you look at their name and then you decide that they're female or you decide that they're male rather than walking in the room and saying hey how do you identify? What would you like to be called? Mm. And just saying these are questions that we ask everybody. Right. Um, but instead, we immediately ask their name and then refer to them with the pronouns that we decide that they deserve. And mm. that is doing harm because that doesn't create a safe space. And then they're immediately in a position where they have to defend themselves mm-hmm. and they have to say, hey, like, I'm not comfortable with that. Right. right. And then is there is there a lot of pushback when people do say I'm not comfortable with that? Is is it usually remedied or is is it kind of so this is a little bit anecdotal i would say in my experience there's been a little bit of both okay i have not experienced anybody else aside from myself asking for pronouns okay um like but when i patients what pronouns yes, they prefer okay. yes i've never experienced anybody else asking um and now we're actually changing the language around that as well so we're trying to um no longer say patients, but say clients instead. Okay. Um, because it's less when you say patient, it's almost like you're above them, and a client uh, is somebody that's sort of at the same level. Right. It's more about compassionate care and client-centered care. Okay. Um. Oh, so that okay. Because my initial response to that would be like client fits into um, my idea of uh capitalism and oh, much more than a patient would, and a client provider re- relationship is much more based around monetary Business exchange than it is that's interesting that, yeah. that's what i would think but but if it also fits within the language of compassionate care that makes sense too like everything's yeah. more complicated yeah i think and again like this is all about language right and things yeah. change and then you have to just figure out what the best fit is so when i have asked for pronouns when i've been in that situation um i have had a couple of people come up to me and say, hey, thank you for doing that. I really appreciate it. And not the, the, not the patient, but the, the staff, which is awesome. And then they'd say, where did you learn how to ask those questions? Because they don't get any training at all. Right. So whereas I was lucky enough to receive some training at my school okay. around how to create a sexually safe environment, how to create a gender fluid environment, how to create a 
mentally healthy environment, you know, all the different types of, of health that you can create. Not everybody gets that. Um, and nurses definitely do not get that training. But I also have had people who then would struggle and say, I don't understand why I have to do that. Or I don't, you know, and kind of right. push back and not use the appropriate pronouns. Because one of the things, and I know that um, Jesse brings this up a lot in her videos, um, specifically, Lucy, you've referenced the one about intersex, which I'll put in the mm-hmm. episode notes. This idea that like what's in between your legs shouldn't matter. Mm-hmm. Right. And people have this obsession with knowing what's in between people's legs. I'm more curious by that than what's between somebody's legs. I'm, I'm more curious about why people care so much. Yeah. Because it's... Why? Yeah, it's it's not your body, right? And it's so it it feels so simple to me. I don't understand. Maybe this is a bad example, but when people ask me for my name and I say, "Oh, it's Jesse," and they go, "Oh, Jessica," and mm, I'm like, right. "No, I just gave you my name. My name and is Jesse." Yeah, <laughs> and I know that's a super simple, like basic thing, but it no, it it never makes sense to me when I'm like, if if somebody's like, "Please call me she, her, right, him, he, or they, them." That's that's it. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's all you need. Yeah, yeah. and I think that. Some of it is people not, some of it is just people not understanding and wanting to understand, um, but just not being familiar with it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that some of it is people kind of being assholes. Um, Yeah. I think that some of it's not accepting change. Yeah. Um, Because those are the people who I don't think want to understand. Yeah. And I think that nurses in general, like, have, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking because about nurses mainly because that's the field I'm going yeah, into. Of so um, I think that they really want, in general, as a population to, to help, you know? And um, I think when they don't understand something, they get kind of like anxious and like yeah. riled up because all they want to do is help. But if they're not taught how to do it, then they just like yeah. sort of feel shit out of luck. And, and they're just frustrating not yeah. knowing something and you kind of get like defensive about it. Yeah. And yeah. then there's also a long history of um, LGBTQ being identified as a medical condition. And there mm. are people that still think that. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously flabbergasting and um i was surprised to see how many people have that perspective that being transgender is a medical condition which yeah. it's not yeah um yeah. so i think that that's also part of the problem they want to help fix them and right. solve the when it's it's not, not a, it's, it's not, a, not problem. a problem it's nothing that needs to be solved exactly. it's yeah. it's how somebody interact with themselves and the world i think what happens is that a person will walk into a room and they'll see somebody and they'll see their gender expression and again we can pull out the list of terms yeah um that would be the outward manner in which an individual expresses or displays their gender so they'll have somebody let's say who dresses what society would consider more masculine Mm -hmm. and then they immediately assume that they're a male so they start talking to them as male and if the person says hey like i'm not then I think that there's a level of embarrassment and then right. you kind of like stick behind what you said and you're right. like, but then why are you doing and you kind of almost project onto them, right. you know, and I think that that's that's also an issue. Yeah. Um, and there's this unfortunate Rebecca and I were talking about this earlier, actually, where if somebody comes in with a mental health condition, if someone comes in, let's say they've had a suicide attempt, um, a lot of times. What's, I mean, if someone's in for a suicide attempt, obviously that's what you're going to focus on because that's the medical issue. But right. if someone comes in and they're bipolar, let's say, right, um, but they're struggling with pneumonia, people will start talking about the fact that they're bipolar. And it kind of just 
swallows their medical diagnosis. The same right. thing happens in the transgender community where someone will come in and rather than us focusing on their medical condition and what's going on with them medically, we start focusing on the fact that they're transgender right, or right. we start focusing on their genitals when their genitals has nothing to do with the diagnosis. Right. Completely irrelevant. Yeah. Lucy shared, we're going to put it in the episode notes, but Lucy shared with us a video of, of how to create a safe waiting room and doctor experience for, I mean, really it's for everybody. I know specifically we're talking about the LGBTQ community, but that makes it safer for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, they do the example of, of the way a waiting room shouldn't be versus should be and the way a doctor shouldn't act versus should act in terms of trying to be just like sensitive and respectful and make people feel comfortable. And mm-hmm. she's in because she has a cough for three weeks. Right. But all of the other hoops that she has to go through in order to just see a doctor about a cough which has absolutely nothing to do mm-hmm. with anything else but because she's transgender it becomes like yeah. that so becomes she's sitting the issue. with an intake form um and it's asking what what her name is rather than asking her because a lot of times you have to go through this whole process to change your legal name right. so you might have a legal name that's going to be on let's say your insurance card that the doctor's office is going to need and they're going to need that to um identify that you're the person receiving care um and then they'll have your the name that you choose to go by so um my legal name is lucy frank and it matches what my insurance card would say but somebody else wouldn't be in the same situation and a lot of intakes forms don't account for that so they don't have a legal name versus your actual name right um and then um, in addition to that there's the where you're identifying what gender you are and a lot of them just say male female and we are making a push to try to include they yeah and try yeah. to include more pronouns and and more flexibility and you yeah. know options and fluidity um, fluidity exactly. absolutely and that's not an option and so the minute you walk in you got this form and you sit down and then you can't answer these questions that they look at that that the population would look at as basic questions yeah i mean i never would have isolating yeah exactly and like it has I've gone, we've filled out how many forms going into doctors and st- and dentists and whatever with all of this information and how many waivers I might have signed or how many services I've signed up for or airline tickets that I've bought. And it never, I never think about the fact that it is catering to me. Right. It's catering to cisgendered people and it, it seems so very straightforward, but it's, there's a there's a large percentage of the population that would find this exactly super, super isolating because all of a sudden it's like, OK, well, this is like, is this going to be a problem now? Because maybe this doesn't match my whatever my insurance card or maybe I haven't changed my state ID or maybe my state doesn't let me change my ID. Right. And so now there's all of these problems and it's and you're just trying to get the first step done, which is form filling. And when we talk about how, you know, Rebecca was just saying that it's a portion of the population and this is um, LGBTQ is like 8 million or something. I think um, right now the number of transgender is at 1.3 million. And I think that's a misrepresentative sample. So this is a very, very big um, section of the of the yeah, population that one point three million is not nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of people. Yeah. yeah, and it's probably closer to like two point three, you know, yeah. or more. Yeah, I mean, um, like the population of Belize is like three hundred thousand, an yeah. entire country. Yeah, Most people want to ignore what they consider a problem. Yeah. yeah, and the thing is, is like we're we're more complex than just male female boxes. Mm-hmm. And I always think it's super simple to just be like, cool, that's not my body. Do whatever you want. Oh, you want to be called. They? Great. No problem. Yeah. What's your, what's your name? Jack? Cool. 
You know, yeah. you can that spend that seem... little bit of effort. Yeah, right. you know, it's it's, it's not to it's me. Not it's even not even an effort. effort. Yeah, honestly, yeah. it it doesn't make sense to me why why there's pushback for that. But to consider that we're so as humans that we're not complex and that this is all there is. Yeah. And that people don't understand that, like, maybe there is some semblance of, like, a spectrum and fluidity within gender. It's sad, but it's also confusing to me. that. So I think what's been kind of neat at Duke in in response to this is um, we have Spectrum, which is our LGBTQ organization at the school. And they put on an event called Let's Talk About Sex, which has been kind of developed by a a girl, Julia, in my cohort. And I think we're going to put something about her in the notes yeah i'm gonna i'll have a link to information about her and let's talk about sex in the the episode notes if you guys want to do more research and learn more about it so and basically what this is is because first off in our in our country we don't talk about sex in general so we're already kind of a little bit um shy intro (laughs) i know exactly and nose in butt right nose in butt don't be shy guys So I think it's really important to open up that conversation, but it's really important for nurses to practice with um, topics that we don't talk about a lot, and sex would definitely be one of those topics. So mm-hmm. let's talk about sex is is just that. It's basically a forum for people to sit and take sexual health histories um, and do that for all clients. So all genders, all identifications, um, and just kind of get comfortable with the verbiage surrounding that and mm-hmm. try to um, m- like make a, a neutral environment. Um, and what we basically do is, is they have standardized patients and you have someone who plays a doctor, someone who plays a provider and someone who observes. And then you just kind of go through and you get your 10 minutes each to practice and mm-hmm. just switch um, spots. And then you have the panel of an expert panel come and just answer any questions. It creates like a really safe space and it awesome. allows nurses to talk about it. And I think that. It would be great if hospitals across the country just started implementing something like that. You just, so you're saying that the best like way to implement that is to like make it mandatory. I think it would be great to have mandatory training. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I feel like I think it's important. People aren't going to go. Yeah, and the people who do go are already 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 more open who, to it. Yeah, of course. Right. So yeah, I mean, and we've talked about this a lot over the course of the podcast, just how kind of like puritanical our society is and mm-hmm. we don't talk about sex. And even when I tell people like the name of the podcast, a lot of times, like there's like a moment and I'm supr- I'm like a lot of times shocked by men who are like, oh, that's great. That is Isn't not- that depressing? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and then we're thinking about healthcare providers yeah. and we have to remember that they went to schools too and we all i think had the experience of having like some bullshit sex education in our schools i mean lucy and i graduated from the same school but like i learned very little Mm -hmm. now we're talking about people who are our care providers and and working with the body yeah and the fact that we're still so hands-off about this and we're so embarrassed about talking about sex and sexuality and all of that kind of stuff is such a barrier to proper care. It's just, it's interesting to me because I would think this would be the one area that yeah. people would be like cool with it. Yeah, of course. And to find out that it's not is... And we definitely, you definitely get training about anatomical issues and, right. and medical medical issues. But again, it's, it's, you don't necessarily get that training about sexual fluidity. And I think it's it's really important and how to create a safe environment. Um, and I think that I'm I'm lucky. I went to a really good program and I've gotten some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's been great because I've seen other people in my program just like 
be almost like illuminated. They're like, oh, wow, like this isn't a problem. This is a good thing, yeah, you know, and yeah. then they'll that will push them to learn more about it and educate themselves and, and you know, come in and, and provide a safe environment. And What's, I think that that's awesome. I mean, there's also Lucy also is telling me there's a um is he a prof- an associate professor now who wrote You're talking the about articles? Ethan? Yeah. yeah, Ethan did um, a lecture for us and he um, educated our class basically just about this subject in general and just how to create a safe space. He was the one who actually showed the video that we were talking about earlier, which is really cool. He, and he worked with Julia on Let's Talk About Sex as well. Um, and he they demonstrate actually at the beginning of the event, they demonstrate a how to take an appropriate um, sexual health history and what kinds of questions to ask and um, how to make people feel comfortable. The important thing about um, taking a sexual health history um, is you want to make, again, these are intimate questions. You're asking right. something somebody who might feel uncomfortable sharing about their sex, especially if they don't feel especially safe. Especially in society. It's yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, and you just want to make sure that they understand that these are normalized questions. We ask everybody. Um, I'm not just sitting here like obsessed with what you're doing at your house, you know, but we need to know. Right. Um, for your health. For your health. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so you want to I still feel ashamed ask, talking to my doctor sometimes. Yeah, totally. How many sexual partners have you had? Shut up. Stop <laughs> judging me. And I think that sometimes we don't ask these questions in a way that helps us feel safe. Like, it should just be a safe conversation. And yeah. sometimes you can tell when someone's judging you for how many sexual partners you had. Like, of what's, course. It's not a big deal to have sex with multiple people. Like, yeah, not at all. <laughs> everybody does. <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically, you do want to ask um, questions that are going to be a little bit more general. You'll ask things like, are you having sex? How many sex partners have you had in the past year? Who are you having sex with? What types of sex are you having? What parts of your anatomy do you use for sex? How do you protect yourself from STIs, um, which would be a sexually transmitted infection? Um, And when you're asking these questions, like I said, you just want to keep saying these are normal. These are questions I ask everybody, you know, and just... You want to lean in. You want to look at the person. You know, if you're like looking away or exactly if and you can tell again when someone's judging you. So you just want to make sure that these are um, just standard. Yeah. And you Mm -hmm. say things like like if you were going to say something like, do you use alcohol or any drugs when you have sex? Sometimes people get really nervous about um, saying that they've used a drug or, you know, a sexual (laughs) enhancer during sex, Mm -hmm. especially at a doctor's office, because you think you're going to be like, I don't know, escorted out. (laughs) But you're not. The police are here for you. (laughs) Right. It's like you just say to them, if you can tell that they're going to feel a little bit uncomfortable with it, you just kind of lean in. You just say, hey, this is just a normal question. I ask everybody and this is totally okay. I just need to know this for your health so we can have some conversations. Some people don't know that certain drugs like have certain harmful effects. So it's good to be able to open up a communication about that. Mm -hmm. Um, some sort of bedside manner. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to say that um, I have only been to one doctor's office that has asked me. This is I mean, this is a, a little bit of a different topic, but sex trafficking. So 80 percent of people that are have been sex trafficked have seen a provider and has not been caught that they have been a victim <gasps> of sex trafficking because oh, wow. nobody oh, asked the question. So I have only been to Planned Parenthood and have been asked that question once. I've um, never been asked I've that never question. Been asked nobody that question. asked that question. So, and nobody really asks. Like, when you come into the emergency department, there aren't a lot of questions about sex in general. And right. this is the place where we can screen and we can talk to people and we can catch these things and we can help them. And I think one of the reasons we don't ask these questions is because we're scared 
of people saying, yes, I have been a victim of that because we don't know what necessarily to what to do next. And we should know about that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And like you, you should know the steps as a medical provider. You should know the steps of like if somebody said yes to that. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of people do. And it's not necessarily do. their fault. It's just yeah. that should be in place. Right. Where, I mean, yeah. people can't know unless they're taught. Right. Exactly. And so I, I think not a lot of that. people oh, no, of course not. do. It's just... There's one thing when you like learn the steps out of a book and there's another thing when mm. you're having a conversation, which is why the let's talk about sex format is awesome because it's yeah. a simulation and simulations have been proven to work and you just get to practice and you also get to identify, hey, like I'm uncomfortable with this. I am very comfortable talking about sex and I found that I was tripping over myself and mm. I was like, wow, like that's good to know. Like I'm uncomfortable asking somebody about sex toys. Yeah. Like yeah. I should get more and comfortable you're an with that person. and I'm very comfortable talking about sex. Yeah. And I think it's that when you don't know a person, it, it becomes different and yeah. you don't know what they're comfortable with. And, and as a people pleaser, so I'm a people pleaser, mm. you know, I want to no. be asking, oh, <laughs> I want to ask questions that's going to make them feel safe and comfortable. And I don't want to ask questions that I know they don't want to answer. But yeah. um, it was good for me to identify that. And it was good for me to identify that asking questions about fluidity is a little bit, it doesn't roll off the tip of my tongue yeah. like I thought it would. So, right. yeah. um, it gave me this opportunity to practice to realize, hey, like I'm not as good about asking these questions. Mm -hmm. So now I can sit and I can educate myself and I can practice and I can do the extra research. Right. So when I get there and I'm actually working with patients, I can ask these questions appropriately. Like you were saying, like don't put the burden of responsibility yeah, on other it's people. Not, it's not their it's job on... to educate you, but it is a gift if they do it. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I love, that's right. a really good way to put it. I like yeah. that a lot. Well, awesome. Thank you, Lucy. That was super awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's Feel, yay. I have so many things in my head right now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> just the last little thing that I'll say, just to show you the um, scope of the issue. Um, it was called the National Transgender Discrimination Survey, and this was 6,450 transgender adults who were asked um, a slew of questions. And 53% said they were verbally harassed. 44% said they were denied equal treatment or service. 19% were actually refused medical care refused wow. care. yeah refused care 28% were subjected to harassment 33% um did not get preventative health care probably because they were too afraid of going into a space mm -hmm. um and it just and the the suicide rate among the transgender population is 41%, which is nine times the suicide rate of the general population. And wow. suicide rate in the general population is already staggering with it being the 10th leading cause of death over the lifetime. Yeah. So it's just, you know, I mean, it's definitely something that we need to talk more about. I yeah. Think. Yeah. You paid attention to You should be able to walk. You shouldn't be afraid to walk into a doctor's it's office. It's supposed to be a safe space. Yeah. 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 It's just, you know, it's, it's just, it just always boggles my mind just how far behind we are on so many different things. Yeah. yeah. I know it's hard to be like happy that it's included because it's like it's that should have been yeah. forever ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's been so much of our conversation, me and Lucy's conversation, you know, this morning. It's just me being like, I'm really happy that this sort of stuff is being implemented. But like, what the fuck yeah. was happening before? It's very yeah. conflicting. It's, it's like, like, yay that it's on. in. But like, why yeah. did it take so long? The yeah. fuck, people? Like, how many people had to die honestly yeah. for that yeah definitely you know, that's I a mean, really that's big a problem morbid thing mm -hmm. to say but no it's, it's true it's very true if a transgender individual individual has tried to commit suicide and comes into the hospital and faces discrimination and is basically not provided adequate care that number jumps up to 60 percent yep from 41 percent to 60 percent 60 percent if they don't get care which is so, yeah, this is a life I mean, or death problem. That's more than half of the transgender population. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Pronouns are important 
because they indicate a degree of respect. Who doesn't want to be respected? Drinking game. Oh! <laughs> Drinking game. Okay. What are the rules, Rebecca? <laughs> I know. I just found, I just. I don't even know if I got the rules right. But what basically what we're gonna do? Combine drinking is that, games. Yeah. I'm gonna say a celebrity, and then Lucy is gonna say another celebrity, but the first letter of their first name has to be. They have to correspond with the last with letter the, of the no. first letter of their last name. Right. So, like, if I said Emma Watson, then Lucy would have to Winona have somebody Ryder. exactly. So that was good. Yeah, that was that actually been real. I'm really real. proud of that. It's your turn. So you have now, to do so an R. Yeah. Rihanna. Oh, does that? But who, what's her last name? Rihanna. Rihanna. So is it Rihanna? Rihanna. <laughs> Rihanna. I think you're drinking. Reese, I think that that's how this yeah. works. Reese, Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> so I have to drink. Oh, any. another double. No. Another double. No, 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 no. <laughs> what are the T Rex rules? We're somehow also going to combine this, like, kind of like haphazard drinking game that we're doing with T-Rex arms because Jesse loves dinosaurs. Uh, it wasn't my idea. Yes, it was. It was totally. <laughs> I was like, this is like your dream drinking game. And so now we're doing it. You can't see it, but it's happening. So it's, it's happening. just an added bonus to the other game that we're playing. Well, you're going to have to go on our Instagram. Welcome to my vagina. If you want to see us drinking drinks True with T-Rex arms. True. So, True story. So, okay. Rebecca Frank. Oh, because I'm because we're famous yeah, on the podcast. Now, so what? You got an app. I think you it got counts. an app, girl. Three. Fitzgerald. Two. <laughs> F. Scott Fitzgerald. F. Scott Fitzgerald. F. Scott Fitzgerald. If you don't take it, that's two cents. Fitzgerald. T-Rex arms. Absolutely not. You already said Faith Hill. Phenomena. 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 Frida Kahlo. And you got another K girl. Karen Russell. That's no. No, that's a famous writer. Is it? Come on, yeah, Swamplandia. Okay. Come on, that was bestseller. I didn't read that. That was a good one. Thank you. You got an R. I do? Yeah. Rihanna. Jesus Ray Charles. Ooh. Three. No. Three. Two. Uh, two. Ramona? One. One. No. No. Drinking. Richard Nixon. <laughs> Ooh, Richard Nixon. Three. Oh. Two. One. one. Drones. Drones. Yeah. Drones. <laughs> you didn't beat the clock. You no. didn't beat the clock. No, you beat it. It's fine. Right. I'll accept you it. You got the J. James it? Brown. Ooh. Beyonce. Uh, Beyonce, Beyonce. You said no. Go. Go. Share situation. Drink. Uh, excuse me. Where the fuck are your T Rex arms? Fail. B. B. You're B. 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 Three. Two. One. Lucy Buzz. Stress ball is over. No, you're a B. Three. Two. One. One. So bad at this. You're not very good. No. Bob Dole. Ooh. Damn. God, he was. Remember when he did that? Donald Trump. No! no! We all have to be off the drink. Let's do it. Thank you for listening to Welcome to My Vagina. It's time for us to slide on out of here. Oh, shit, I left it to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's my fucking life. It's okay, I'm a little drunk. <laughs> um, we'd like to thank our super duper awesome producer, Caitlin Mulder. Caitlin Moldenhauer of More Banana Productions. And our special guest, my sister, Lucy Robin Frank. Who butts? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Please follow us on our Instagram, Welcome to My Vagina at no at Welcome to <laughs> Wow. I'm drunk. You're sexy. I meant that backwards. Um, follow us on our Instagram at Welcome to My Vagina to get all of our news, updates, videos, and you know all that stuff. Fun shit. And find us on Twitter at Welcome to My Badge. Yeah. Yeah. Go to WelcomeToMyVagina.com for stuff. Go to go to YouTube and look for Welcome to My Vagina. Jesse just uploaded a super awesome parody video about Ivanka Trump, and you must see it. Yeah, yeah, Listen yeah, until yeah. the end, because there's a special thing at the end, and it's so funny. It's the best part. Uh, please check out all of Rebecca Frank's awesome mother-flippin' writing <laughs> at franklyrebecca.com. And, oh, find us on Patreon if you want to give us your money. Which you do. Yeah, obviously. Part with your money, please. Just give it to us. Part with it. Listen, money. Money, 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 money. <laughs> money. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, please email us with your questions, concerns at welcome to my vagina at gmail.com. Also, please review us. Review us. Put stars. All of them. We star. love when you tell us through text message, but it'd be real awesome for like our careers and stuff like put it on the podcast stuff put it on the internet guys that's what i meant put it on she knew what i meant it's all right i got you girl okay yeah see you next tuesday see you next tuesday bye 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 lucy bye i'm drunk GZM Shows and the creators of Six Minutes are rolling out their newest audio adventure with the podcast Discovering Dad. A cautious single dad with a secret past and his rebellious kids embark on a thrilling quest complete with hidden treasure, villains, and a family curse. New episodes of Discovering Dad roll out weekly starting June 11th on Apple Podcasts. Follow the show so you never miss an episode or listen early and ad-free as a GZM Show subscriber. Go to gzmshows.com to learn more.